Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflow and Michael Sidgwick here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dewpoint, oh! AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views or premium live events or whatever they're bloody called nowadays. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick. And gentlemen, we are gathered here today to once again discuss WWE releases, specifically WWE staff uh, releases. This news, of course, breaking last night. Um, a statement being released by WWE saying... With the continued evolution of NXT 2.0, uh, we've decided to part ways with some of the staff based in our performance center. We thank them for their many contributions throughout the years and wish them the best. Um, full list of names, uh, George Carroll, who's a producer, Kathy Carino, the coach, Ryan Katz, an NXT creative producer, Dave Kapoor, a writer, Chris Guy, a performance center coach, Sarah Cummins, the senior VP of consumer goods, Hideki Suzuki, a performance center coach, and you may have noticed uh, one of the people previously involved in Diamond Mine, Danny Birch, uh, Timothy Thatcher, both wrestlers who'd also been working as coaches in the Performance Center, Scott Armstrong, a producer and referee, Brian Road Dog James, a producer, of course, and William Regal, a director of talent development, head of global recruiting and NXT GM. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, Sid, your reaction to this news last night? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to be insensitive, right? But how many Death of NXT podcasts can we possibly record? I know. We've done about four of them so far. Like the initial rebrand, the NXT 2.0 stuff, the end of the Wednesday Night War. Like, is it a cat? <laughs> I mean, I know Finn Balor was a cat when he was in there, but like, is it a cat? It's got... Yeah, it's, no, Ron Breaker wasn't kicking the X. He was kicking the cat. He was kicking like, the cat. We just didn't... We've, like, we've been... Like, what happened was we thought we'd seen the funeral... We just didn't realise we were still at the wake. The wake is ongoing, and at this point, Vince McMahon and Nick Khan have said, can you leave, please? There's no buffet left. 
Like this ended two hours ago and you're still here. It's the oddest thing. Like this, this brand is just, it's like death by a literal thousand cuts. At this point, it just continues to be absolutely not the thing that Triple H launched or relaunched in 2012. It is, they might as well change the name at this point. And I honestly suspect that they will at some point next year just to completely disassociate people from what it was because it's a completely different thing now. Um, look, we have to measure the tone of this. You've not just destroyed it. But we have to measure the tone of this because the crack is Road Dog will have a lot of money to potentially retire from. He will get lots of convention work or whatever. And he was a bit of a knob, quite frankly. So there's a lot of fun to be had on social media, not personally by me, of, oh, you know, like... Triple H is in the mud and all the rest of it. But there are people who were asked to move to completely relocate their lives for, what, three months? Yeah. After years and years of, and I hate this word because wrestling's bastardized it, but they have been grinding for years and years and years, doing that from which NXT itself benefited in the case of Alice in Danger, just to be told, oh, three months and I'll piss off. Yeah, I saw, I saw that story uh, either last night or this morning when I was reading through Twitter because obviously Regal uh, and to a certain extent Road Dog and, and people like Danny Birch and Timothy Thatcher sort of dominated the headlines. And I really wasn't that aware of Kathy Carino, Alison Dangerous. She might be better known to certain people. And then I just saw a thread. I do apologise to whoever tweeted this. I saw a thread saying... You know, a lot of people are going to be talking about Regal, etc. But I want to tell you about a friend of mine talking Lenny about Lenny Leonard, I believe it was. Yeah, it was, was it, I. Who's, who was tweeting about the fact that, uh, yeah, they've uprooted that not just their lives. The thing that really hit me is like dragging your kids out of school, you know, making them leave all their friends behind, move across the country. You know, you struggle through. It's a difficult time for everyone still with COVID. You struggle through Christmas, and then like effectively, what the first day they're at school, you get a phone call after you drop them off saying, yeah. You're not going to need you, need you anymore. I, I thought that was, you know, as much as I, you know, have is, an issue with them getting rid of what I would have assumed was WWE lifers in the likes of, of Regal, um, I just couldn't get over the fact that they've decided to, to do this with with the people that they have in the way that they have. I know we sort of like, we make a joke out of a lot in wrestling on these podcasts and we try whenever there are big cuts on this scale not to do that or a situation that's like measure the tone correctly. But this is the unfortunate reality of mass releases or certainly the way WWE releasing such huge volume at this point. Understandably so, um, a Regal and a Road Dog, and it does seem to make sense to lean on those two because they're the biggest names and they're also the wrestlers, the performers that people have the most affection to. That's a natural reaction. Not me, to Road be, Dog. Well, certainly not Road Dog. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, there's, a na- there's an understanding where... You can kind of see why people are shocked and dismayed and disappointed and whatever with the big names, the people that you've got an affection to or you feel like you've like built a bond with. But when there are releases on this scale, and this is any company, not just WWE, it's those that kind of need the least sympathy. They may have made the most money. They may have the most opportunities coming out of it. It is a Kathy Carino or some of the, there was a, an office staff who, again, the name of, you've already read a name out and I've forgotten it. Was it Sarah Cummings? Yes, the senior VP of consumer goods. Like, that sounds like a reasonably high-level job, but I don't know what our prospects are as a result or what a situation was before things like that because she wasn't a television star that I've got to watch do their job for a living on screen. So, yeah, it is it is both. 
you can have a little bit of fun at the expense of people you would like to think are wealthy enough to be able to, that you're still punching up. And equally, you can feel sad for the ones who have really suffered as a result of this. Um, I don't know if we're going to cover this as we go on through this podcast, because it's kind of a, it's a broader point now. But something that struck me with this um, Kathy Carino one specifically was that going forward, the way in which WWE have unleashed these cuts on masses of talents, lots of whom had presumably signed longer term deals, when you've got somebody like, and it's one thing for Brian Danielson to talk openly and bravely about like putting his head above the parapet and saying, look, wrestlers need to be protected more in these deals. But BFAB, somebody five minutes into the industry, relatively speaking, still really young herself, coming out and saying, WWE contracts are scary. They don't protect talent at all. That needs to start being the conversation. I hope truly that the last few years and the likes of the CM Punk promo, as we recall this on a Thursday that took place last night in Dynamo about getting released eight months later. I think even Will Ospreay mentioned it in one of his New Japan press conferences. The idea that it is becoming commonplace for wrestlers out loud to say, these WWE contracts are terrible. You know, it's not something that's buried in the small print anymore. I hope that it makes wrestlers consider their options more than just looking at the logo at the top. There's we're, no more options. We're well, true, but we, we, it feels like we're well removed from the dream chaser era. Mm. Like that feels like it's something that is becoming passe and like lawyer up, you know, get get your legal team to look and add something into the language and see if you yourself, do we're not going to make a wholesale change, but that doesn't stop a talent from trying to make one for them. It's just such an unfair one-way street, in my opinion, of you have to dedicate, you, if you sign this bit of paper, you are committing two, three, four, five years of your life, regardless of how bad it gets, unless we agree to it, you are stuck working for this company unless you take a real drastic action akin to PAC, for example. But on this, at the same, in the same breath, we aren't necessarily committing to pay you for those five years. If we decide, or oh, budget cuts, or creative got nothing for you, or whatever it may be, we can turn around and not only say that's that, but in some cases don't even have to give you that much notice of just like, oh, well, 30 days and then, you know, you're out on your ear with no money coming in. Sort it's of your thing. first day in capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just horrendous. It's just absolutely horrendous. Um, and people get calcified to it. I saw way more jokes at the expense of, was William Regal a good wrestler on Twitter? And everyone had a bit of fun engaging with it and all the rest of it. But there are people who've, uh, like William Regal is, like I assume, an incredibly wealthy man who could theoretically, after ninety days, or maybe that doesn't even work now that it's his office, mm. could just go to AW, mm. could just retire if he wanted, could just could, could, do could a podcast anywhere. W any company with the initial yeah. W at the end will probably welcome William Regal in with open arms, wouldn't they? GCW would have him probably, like to, you know, in any capacity. They could go to New Japan Strong, could do some stuff there, could recruit for them. Uh, but yeah, it's just just what they do now. It's Would you like to see some of these people in AW? Uh, I don't. William Regal, right? Scout and I imagine, right, in like high schools and stuff. They'll have their own media, and you'll be able to get an idea of who's good. You're not going to just start from scratch. But in terms of wrestling media, if you're a scout, particularly for a company like WWE, right, where you. If you're in WWE, you just have no conception nor care about what's going on around. You hear the faintest bit of buzz about someone somewhere. Like they signed CM Punk in 2005 um, because they'd heard 
some whisper somewhere that this guy's got buzz. I will, I will sign him. And they thought he's crap. Well, he wasn't, obviously, but they <laughs> thought he's crap. Um, yeah, he's crap. He was never going to debut on the main roster as a star. He was always going to go to OVW. But he confirmed that's their biases about indie wrestling, didn't he? Yeah. Because he happened to work like the style that he'd learned on the independence. Yes. It was ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, so because of that's how WWE operated, Regal was basically, and Triple H were allowed to control, and I've used this analogy several times, I, the mega fans will forgive me. Mm-hmm. You can essentially control an F asterisk, one, two, three, four, in the observer and go return, 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 return. Do it over the space for about two months. Oh, he must be good. Go to a PWG show. Oh, everyone's over. Let's just let here's an idea. Let's not be discerning and let's not even do any scouting. Let's just literally sign everyone <laughs> that's prepared to come that could potentially debilitate the competition that seems to be rising. We don't like that. To that end, I'm not saying that a lot of wrestlers haven't come out with massive support to William Regal and said, I would not be the same wrestler. These are things that we don't know about, quite mm. frankly. Mm. So I don't know if I'm well judged to say that William Regal could be a great scout for AEW, considering they've already got a pretty close ear to the ground on what's going on in various scenes. Um, maybe as a coach and mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like my area of expertise, this. It's all speculative, isn't it? The coaching role, to me, seems interesting, but only from what little I've seen of him on fairly carefully produced WWE shows. Like, you look at Orange Cassidy, like, can't throw a kick, can he? William Regal can tell him to move his left foot. Um, But, yeah, sorry, couldn't resist that one. But, (laughs) um, like, legitimately, he has done interviews before where he's very carefully spoken about how, through all of his experience and all the various different companies and styles he's worked and things like that, he felt like he knew how to get over in WWE and he wanted to impart that knowledge on others. That phrase, get over in WWE, says to me, I'll get over anywhere. So theoretically, with an AEW, whatever it is that, say, a Billy Gunn or a Jerry Lynn, or, they all offer different things, is what I'm saying. William Regal can probably quite quickly acclimatise himself to whatever AEW's core model is and help people get over within AEW. I'm sure there's tons of friends like from people that have either worked with him or have got friends. That, if you look at an Adam Cole as an f- example, all the people that have never worked with William Regal but now work or previously worked with Adam Cole, I'm sure are hearing wonderful things about William Regal, you would assume. So theoretically, he slots right in if they want him and he wants it. I was going to say, the locker room, like you say, not just Cole, you've got O'Reilly, you've got Fish, you've got people like FTR who've said that they wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, it, like he's going to have supporters. He, he may... Um, again, and this is why it's so speculative, he may have enemies. Yeah. You know, Jim Ross was uh, celebrated now, uh, head of talent relations, but he himself said, you make no friends in that job. So there would have been people that for a lot of years might have had a bit of an axe to grind with Jim Ross. They might have also had one with him regal as a as a guy in a position of power in a performance center that was often not the nicest place. So it's, it's all like that will be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see if he fits, if he goes, if he wants it, if he doesn't. Um, this one, this time around, does feel less about the, including the wrestlers, oh, will so-and-so go to AEW, will so-and-so go to New Japan, and more about the bigger picture of what it says about WWE, just eroding and erasing everything about Triple H and the old NXT. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Sid, just to run through some of the other names, I sense I know a reaction to one of these names. The likes of a Road Dog, uh, a Danny Birch, Timothy Thatcher, would you like to see them involved in AEW? You know, uh, Road Dog, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I just don't, everything I've read that he's posted, said in interviews. 
he's going to kayfabe your brother when he's talking about WWE and scripted promos and stuff, but like, this is a guy who made Lacey Evans do his song to karaoke. He just seems like an awful human being and a rank egotist, and I hate his political views on a personal subjective level, mm -hmm. and this is my podcast, so absolutely no way would I want to see him associated anyway with the company that I actually still watching. Not even if Billy Gunn does a double bicep pose and goes, I know I've got arms strong, but the gun club's got another bullet in the chamber. And then it's and then <laughs> yeah, the as the, the fourth that. man. Uh, Law, uh, Thatcher. I like if, if Chama goes with him. Like, <laughs> look, if Danielson wants to work him, I, I would take Thatcher as like when he like a TNT Open Challenge guy. Yeah, he just look. A lot of people like him. He happens to work a style that, like, like I'm going to do an extremely hands Mormon voice. I like technical wrestling. I like love Danielson's on my uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Bret Hart's on my Mount Rushmore. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. before New Japan fell for Cliff. I adored watching him. Extremely hands mole man voice. Timothy Thatcher. No, that's too technical. <laughs> <laughs> that's not in the grapple. Thatcher and the Brozoweights Thatcher replacement. All right, fine. I'll get involved. Turn fight pit. In hindsight, that was quite an AW arc, isn't it? Yes. Like they were very like sweet in the way that they built that relationship between him and Riddle, only then to snap it apart. Like, he could fit in, at least briefly, in, in like, AW's storyline universe, I think. But, I don't know, like... He's not a TV wrestler. Well, and is this the year? It's a bigger issue than just Thatcher. But I was very much of the opinion last year of, bring them all in. It's not my problem. It's not my wallet. Let's see who fits and let's see who doesn't. I'm starting to question my own take when you look at the Division of Labour and Time on, on AW's three hours of television. So, I don't know. 
a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. When it comes to the real reason that these guys were released, I thought it spoke volumes uh, about this report from, from Sean Ross who we should give a, a great deal of credit to for, for covering this story of Fightful Select, um, that when he spoke to WWE officials and asked whether or not the latest call was done, not because of budget cuts, but to effectively remove people um, hired by Triple H, Kathy Carino really being the only exception in that list of names I've given... It wasn't denied. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Absolutely. Mike. Even before I read that report, I when I, I first heard about Regal, because it was all over Twitter, and I realized, oh, hang on. I cut loose quite a few people here. The Regal name, the biggest example points out, dominated the discourse. My um, major reaction was, Jesus Christ, everything that Triple H has had in mind for the past 10 years about the future of this company is gone paraphrase <laughs> to paraphrase uh Vince McMahon doing Jeff Jarrett's catchphrase <laughs> yeah. the weirdest possible way you know how he likes to say it no you know how you told him to say <laughs> yeah, it yeah. But, uh, I thought well that's uh, Triple H's legacy even further damned and more specifically the I can get over with the fans which is what ultimately the aim is it's just become funnier in retrospect that's what the aim is you want to get over with your fan base so he put his ear to the ground he burst that WWE bubble for a little bit to his credit. It was like, well, who's over? Who can we get in? D- uh, Daniel Bryan's changed everything. Who can we get in? Who can we start recruiting? And to be fair, he was ahead of the curve because he was recruiting like the likes of Rollins and stuff and Ambrose in 2012, but that's by the by. The women when nobody else is really watching. Absolutely, well. absolutely. That like, that's the thing. Like, Time will be kind at Triple H's legacy. Just knowing that everything he did with Booker T and... Mid, entire swaths of mid-card wrestlers and all the rest of it just makes it funny for now. But time will be kind of his legacy and how progressive he was and how he was one of the few people associated with the McMahon family to not be a completely hubristic, body-obsessed knobhead. <laughs> Even though he is a knobhead still. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is when he's in the mirror. He just wasn't as a booker for like two years. So, <laughs> so Regal was the guy who was like, I'm going to uh, use my stroke, get a um, receiver hole, the American Legion, uh, the American Legion building in Reseda, rather. Pick my head around the corner. All of you. <laughs> We're warehousing people, so all of you. And get all the PWG kick pad guys, boom, into NXT. When I thought that he was gone, I was like, geez, it's actually over because that's what he was in there to do. He's there to mentor, develop talent, but he's also there to scout the workers, right? And he realized Road Dogg's gone at the same time. He was probably, he's the guy who was closely monitoring Dexter Loomis. So not only have you got like the kick pad work rate component of NXT gone through the release of William Regal, you've also got wacky Dragon Lady Dexter Loomis. It's all about character. <laughs> you know that when that started to creep in in 2020, yeah, and it's yeah. out the forefront now. A lot of that's Road Dog. Absolutely, he's the he's a Dexter Loomis guy. He's a wacky sports entertainment guy. Look how he got over in the first place. Like it's all gone. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be now, but whatever it was, all of it, the good, the bad, the wacky, which became a thing last year, all of it's gone. Like, NXT, we know it's dead. It's called NXT 2.0. Like, even the NXT 2.0 thing seems to... 
the wacky stuff's gone. The Pete Dunn's and the Tommaso Champers, uh, all that element seems to be gone as well. It's just going to be the blind leading the blind, big lads. Triple H having zero imprint on it? it is, we'll talk a little bit more about Triple H in a second, but it is astonishing. I mentioned this on the news today, and it's been you know echoed around social media, that in a time where they've got that nil list, next in line, whatever it is, they've obviously, like you say, completely changed NXT 2.0, and they've decided it's not PWG light or whatever you want to call it. It is going to be our wrestlers from the ground up sort of thing that we've molded from this clay uh, of, of other sports athletes, but then you get rid of a William Regal who's got this, you know, decades of experience. You get rid of a Timothy Thatcher, a Danny Birch. You get rid of other people like that. Like, it's astonishing that they do those two things at the same time. It is, and yet in a strange sort of way, though this has never technically happened in WWE before because once upon a time, WWE was all Vince McMahon. NXT represented quite a unique fragment of like an entire product that existed out of his purview. Um, every other aspect of this sort of follows wrestling history. Um, again, not in WWE, but if you take WCW, that was always a senior vice president's role underneath like Ted Turner as, as the boss, but somebody that he just wanted to like give a job to somebody that would, Eric Bischoff would eventually get and change all that. But so like Bill Watts had Jim Ross, um, Kip Fry brought with him um, a group of people that would speak to the rest on his behalf and talk to them about bonus structures and things like that. Um, even within WWE, certain power players at the time would have had their guys. You know, like Vincent Mann has always had yes-men, but their yes-men, like Bruce Pritchard would have had his yes-men, with Pat Patterson and so on and so on and so on. That didn't happen for a long time because once Vince monopolised everything, Vince Russo had Ed Ferrara. You know, even Vince Russo had a guy that he kind of needed as an ally going to WCW. Once Vince monopolised everything, you were in a situation where everybody had to just bend over to the last boss in town. So that kind of went away until Triple H started NXT with his own team, little satellite operation that we used to sort of joke about it. It's like, God, I hope Vince never sees this. You know, or like, uh, God forbid what happens when he does, and look what's happened. Like, mm. he's seen it, and he's thought, don't like that anymore. I'm going to ruin that. Um, and this was sort of the last... We, we've joked about... Vince, Vince and Kevin and Bruce being backstage at 2.0 and running things. We never named Triple H in this. And not just because he's obviously been like ill with yeah. his heart situation. We would have probably kind of viewed it through that lens anyway. Um, it's almost as if they've been in that building for eight, nine weeks, 12 weeks even, and looked and thought like, right, well, it's still not quite as we like it yet. Get rid of you, get rid of you, get rid of you, get rid of you. The wrestling side has been happening on screen in front of our very eyes. And now it's just happening at a corporate level as well. I do still think some of this is just Nick Khan spreadsheet stuff. Like NXT UK continues to dodge it because none of those guys earn enough to appear on his like bottom row of tabs. But William Regal would have been. You know, sizable money that will be cut from the cut from the spreadsheet, cut from the budget. Money that probably for over a year now, Vince McMahon has deemed wasteful. Because none of this reflects the vision he wants. NXT's initials seem to be holding back that brand now, 2.0. Like we said on the podcast, reviewing the show, let's get some more colourful belts. Those belts aren't this brand's belts. They're another, they're another show's belts, you know, get some new ones in. It, like, seeing the NXT title is like, and I love the old WCW US title, but seeing the NXT title is like seeing that in 2001 WWE. It's like, they want to get rid of that and slap a massive American flag on it or have John Cena's spin. Like, this is not their thing. And those NXT titles aren't either. This is the closest we've ever had to, a, like, and Triple H hasn't been removed yet because he's part of the family, but a booker B 
being taken out of the role and all of that Booker's guys going with him. And to that point that Hamlet has made there, are Triple H and Shawn Michaels safe? It's insane that I saw tweets being asked of us today on the news saying, you know, not not only because it's you know the situation has changed completely in the last few months. Obviously, his health stuff. We wish him well in his recovery that, for that. But disregarding that for a second, if you think about how far away he is from taking the reins when Vince steps aside or whatever happens at the top there, it's now no longer that, is it? It's whether or not he's even going to be around. He's an admin assistant. That's what he is now. Uh, Triple H, uh, sorry, Vince McMahon once removed his own daughter from head of creative. Like, yeah, he's he's essentially demoted. He's already demoted Triple H. He's got. He's, what does he do? Why? Well, what does Triple H do now in that operation? Museum guide. <laughs> Shawn Michaels said um, in an interview recently that he's actually relished being off. Like he's taken, obviously, he had to take time off, and he's been recovering. So it's very different than just taking a sabbatical or being on a holiday or whatever. But he said. It's the first time in forever, I guess, that he's been off the grind. You know, Triple H was forced to work as hard as Vincent Mann and seemingly did, you know, and you could see, especially during the war, how much that was physically weathered. aged him, Mike. Yeah, like, so that this time off, maybe this is where, like, he's married in rather than being part of the family because maybe he's not got that gene like the rest of the McMahons do. Maybe he's just looked at this and thought, hmm, it turns out you can actually live like a normal human being. I'd forgotten about that. Shane McMahon, like he's done it. He saw that. Like, was it he got into like streaming or something? And, like when he left in two thousand and nine, he just thought, I need to get off. Like maybe maybe Dad won't sack me, but I need to get off this ride. And Triple H has been forced off it. Maybe he's got a taste for that. And maybe like the de- rather than the decision being made for him and his pride taking a dent, maybe he'll make it first. What that does for Shawn Michaels, I don't know. Um, it's weird because there's a take. I don't regurgitate this. There's a take that used to go around the uh, message boards in 1995, 1996, that Vince McMahon had a psychosexual obsession with Shawn Michaels, and that he just loves him. He's always been one of his, like, you know, he's got, like, a father-son weird relationship with some of his talents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Provided they make him money, obviously. <laughs> Shawn's among them. So they're, they're Brett and Shawn were like the brothers, weren't they? Yeah. Like they were, for a long time in that narrative, they were brothers, and then, like, Vince kind of went off one of the siblings, yeah. and he just, he just favoured Shawn over Brett. Like, I like him more. I think he's got more potential. He can go to university, the other one can't, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's like the the... Bonds of whatever weird friendship or pseudo-familial relationship they have with one another, the three of them, Sean, Vince, and... Is he the one Triple H? <laughs> the, <laughs> the forgotten son! <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot his name. Uh, um, so you don't know exactly if Vince is that ruthless. Isn't fire, Stephanie? Mm. What he did, and I, it's it's funny that she wasn't involved in creative, even though she ruined it eh, forever. He goes like, right, you've got a different skill set, darling. So and then she did, like she made that company look so much nicer yeah. and more marketable than it is. <laughs> Bruce Bridget, cowboy Bruce, was bringing a gun into work. <laughs> <laughs> we need to end this, Dad. Could Triple H simply become a road agent or something? Yes, is the short answer. It's weird to think about, isn't it? Shawn Michaels, um, remember what his job was in Black and Gold NXT, and I assume it's something relatively similar now. He was in the finishing class at the Performance Centre. At the moment, his job must be like that uh, shot from Fresh Prince where Will Smith walks into the empty room because who on the NXT roster is in the finishing class? 
Nobody. <laughs> like, what does he do? Just like run the ropes with Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> that it. Like, there's nobody else in that. There was a Can't point. tell who's who. <laughs> there was a point in NXT where there was nobody in any other class. Yeah. Like, Sean's coaching 50 guys. It's like, hang on, you're ready to go. Getting Sean's class. Like, uh, <laughs> what, what am I teaching you? Should we just do, like, drop down and tackles with these guys that have been in the business 10 years? <laughs> like, it's gone completely the other way. Like, it's Terry Taylor or somebody, if he's still there, like, coaching the newbies. He's safe. Like, he's, like, Rooster's class is absolutely full. Like, it's like, can anybody do a fucking headlock? Anybody. Right, you first. Jeez, yeah. Triple H, I honestly, he's done. His corporate career is done. Like, so the symbolic representation of that, literally on Tuesday night, you've seen the actual admin to tie up that on Wednesday night. He's failed to develop talent that Vince McMahon wants. His reputation among prospective buyers of the TV industry, given the death of NXT, will be very, very low. Like his, his expansion, NXT, Mexico, yeah. NXT, Japan, remember all that? He's done corporately. And it's not like a Bruce Pritchard or a Laurinaitis thing where they had a certain role. A yes, man. But they're always going to be back in the loop. Triple H will never again ever have that position of power that he had because he's failed at it. Like Pritchard and Laurinaitis never had these grand transformative plans that Triple H didn't ultimately fail with and hemorrhage money with. Like he's done. So he can't go back up. I don't even know what he does now. He might be a road agent. As Hamful points out, like Shane left, and Vince, like, oh, okay, it's a bit of a shame. Triple H is a mul- we're not doing this with like sympathy or fear. He's a multi multi millionaire for yes. all of this, and could now maybe he could do Thor after all. Yeah, he just gets his turn. You know, like the he's not he's not getting that job, but you know what I mean. Like the Rock gets him some extra work. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H just starts appearing in the background of like all the Rock's films. Uh, Triple H, realistically, he's not going to get fired. He's not on the <laughs> spreadsheet. He's not on the spreadsheet. <laughs> But Imagine he's if he's just been moved from tab, like, yeah, from, like yeah. the, the sort of super protected tab. So like, from like Khan, Vince, Dunn, Trrr. <laughs> like, like Nick Khan's just like on the front of Vince. Keep him that front of Don't have a week. So, and Shawn Michaels, realistically, like, he didn't just retire in 2010. Yeah. And then they didn't just instantly go, right. Get into the fold, get into the management, get into the production. Tried to get out, didn't they? You tried to get out. Like so hunting shows and stuff. And like, yeah, damn win. <laughs> I mean, for some reason. Like so, Skinner. I mean, he could realistically go. I've yeah. read way wilder headlines in my goddamn mm-hmm. life as a wrestling fan than WWE releasing Shawn Michaels or mutually agreed to part ways. Mm. Finally, as you wrap this up, uh, Hamlet, I think I know the answer to this considering the way 2021 went. It was just. Wild as well, 80 odd. What was it by the end of, of the year? I think there was like almost the same by the end. I'm sure it was like 86 and 80, yeah, 2020 and 2021. So, are we going to see more releases in 2022? And uh, is it going to be more, possibly more, like we say, backstage people rather than wrestlers? I, I have no doubt that we will see more spring cleaning quite possibly from, from WWE. All of the above. Um, there is no longer, I would say, it would be foolish to assume that there is a case of this just happening seasonally. So we have had cuts in November, knowing full well that the Survivor Series typically needs a lot of people on the card, and you've got two 
for some battle royals in January, and they thought, sod it, do some more cuts in November, because for whatever corporate reasons there are, when, whenever they want to make the cut, it's a lot, it seems to be around the quarterly investor calls now, doesn't it? The but share price. Yeah, like whatever sort of they're looking at, and Khan's spreadsheet and that, then they're not bothered about the events, they're not bothered about people getting pushed or storylines, that is irrelevant. So the old post-WrestleMania thing mm. used to be about how WWE functioned. Well, who do we need in the year ahead who is surplus to requirements? That's not a consideration. They might sack a load of people, but it won't be because of, uh, you know what, we're just not going to push you. Like, it's, it, it doesn't care. Not bothered. Like, none of that's relative anymore. So, yes, there will be more cuts, I think. Um, I w- The pendulum swings, and this latest round of cuts, it's swung back in this direction. I, again, think that it, they might be prepping for a sale. Like, I go back and forth on this all the time because it's always the age-old Vincent Mann argument. He never will, he never will, he never will. But, like, I watch Raw every week. Is he even alive to make the choice? Who can say? He might be being puppeteered for all enough. I feel like I'm watching a scene out of Sesame Street when he talks about in theory. Like, is it Vince or is it Elmo? Like, uh, I don't know how much... How arsed he is. How much... Like, the amount of cuts that are taking place with him probably just giving a yes over an email or signing one piece of paper so that the rest of the work can be done makes you think that old adage of... Believe me, everything that goes on in this company goes through Vince. Does it? Like, does it really anymore? Like, is he really signing off on that last Dana Brooke t-shirt? Probably not. So it's easier to think that maybe sales and things are happening with him just green lighting and let stock get sold and then you think, is he really checking out? You know, Nick Khan, in a year's time, if Nick Khan was to leave, these executives tend to do like between two and five years in a role and then they move on to the next one. They're scum. That's how they operate, right? Is he going to leave in January 2023? three years on from getting signed, having done what was asked of him when he got signed, which was prep this company for a sale by making it look as asset-free as possible and the easiest possible purchase for a mega super conglomerate so that that waxwork of Vince can finally just be put in a museum somewhere and the family can start deciding, <laughs> like, moving, moving on with their lives, doing what they're going to do next. Like that's I've worked in companies where Nick Khan-type figures come in to do this role I believe he'll be gone within the next two or three years, having, like, absolutely succeeded. And what that means for WWE is probably way beyond wrestling yeah, it's concerns. Not, it's, it's Petty not, in-ring concerns. It's not gutting, is it? It's streamlining. Streamlining, then, yes. Ugh. I've been involved in the finance industry as well. well the administration <laughs> industry, let's face it. But every, you, every goddamn you, industry. But you can see it happening yeah. from your desk in fear at what goes on. It's a, it's a it's a cycle rotation of manager. The company has absolutely hot reputation. Minging PowerPoint presentations as well. I've had 18 jobs. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange, sir? No, it's actually good. Like my LinkedIn profile is 12 I, pages. I remember a company came into where I was working once, and the bloke, huge company staff meeting, everyone's in there, everyone's panicking, everyone's worrying, everyone's just talking about it. And he goes, guys, I know I've heard the whispers around, and I just want to reassure everyone in this room, no one is getting fired in the very, very short term. So what, by the end of the day? <laughs> some... But like you see them come Have in. Have your lunch and then we'll talk. <laughs> you come in and it's like, this guy, this guy's hot. He's going to change the way we work. He'll be way more proactive, right? Oh, that's all bollocks. And like, he's gone. Yes. <laughs> and like two years, haven't, what's he done? What's he, he, what's he really done? He changed the hierarchy document that's been saved in the C drive. Yeah. Like he's sort of, a, I'm going to restructure the teams a little bit and then get them out of here. <laughs> And then, and then he leaves, and it's like, ah, he came in a bit hotter than he left. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really pop the territory. And it's just how these things work. Just how these bloody more, things work. Lots more releases to be expected yeah. this year. I mean, there are certain people, I'm not being funny, from the in-ring side of things, who's not working, 
Why do they not want him in the ring? How much do they like him, really? And you can pick what at least 10 off the top of my head. Mm. But I wouldn't. For sensitivity's sake, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. say, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your job. Point Roman Reigns, you're not going to lose your job. But that's where we're at. We've talked about this before. A list is on our website, and I'm pretty sure there's maybe a video on the YouTube channel. We just about got it to 10 that we earnestly thought were safe. Like, and even now I can only think of five and it's Roman and the horsewomen. But there's, we've sort of arrived at 10 that sort of made logical sense beyond that. So was, that'd be funny, right? But if you get that 10, and I'm not saying that, Drew McIntyre was in the Brit Red scene four years ago. Like, I think it's great and they made a top star of him, but you want to think about how far away that was. Like, there's hardly anyone is safe. Like, it's not like a Roman Reigns. That's, that would be a shocking headline and I don't want it to happen. Drew McIntyre is one of the few performers who in the ring, I think, Christ, he can shatter the cobwebs of this mm-hmm. softly, safely, methodical bollocks. But if you th- if you go past those five, six, seven, eight names, you think, how, how safe are you really? Mm-hmm. And it is the 6th of January. It's going to be a very interesting year. Do it's let been, us... It's been a bad one so far. Like <laughs> Sounds like yesterday was a pay for you. They should have called day five. <laughs> Daniel Bryan has had to bleed buckets out of his temple for me to have a vague bit of fun this year. I don't know. Bron, Bron Breaker kicked the next. I had good feeling towards WWE until yesterday, <laughs> this year. He did a clean slate for 2022. Really enjoyed day one. <laughs> a, Raw wasn't that a, bad. NXT New Year's Evil was was The sprite on the New well. Year's Eve logo should have Nick Khan's face on it, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I had some really nice chicken wings in the longship the other day as well. You know when pub food's just, uh, I'd rather go to a restaurant. Nah, the wings in this place are great. So chicken wings and Daniel Bryan's uh, plasma. Pub food makes me feel comfortable because I paid for it first. <laughs> I get nervous about like the bill coming and I've forgotten that this beer was really expensive or something. Pub food, you've covered it. Covered your bill. Sit down. Relax. Your job's done. <laughs> Go and eat your microwave warm chips and get, get out of there. Well, let us know your thoughts <laughs> on everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, our review of AEW Dynamite is available right now. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.